This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Friday, December 9th, we welcome you to a very special edition of Real Talk, not just because it's a Friday, not just because that means that we present our Real Talk Roundtable, presented by our friends at Urban Timber, but this is the first ever in-person Real Talk Roundtable, not just talking Studio 2.0, not just talking about our beautiful new location in Edmonton's historic Mercer Warehouse, we're talking ever as we reconvene the wildly popular group chat roundtable featuring Harmon Candola, Jenny Adams, and Jarrett Campbell. It's wonderful to have the three of you here in our studio. This is what we envisioned when we put this thing together. So it's great to have you sitting around this table. Is it actually wildly popular? It is wildly popular. Wow. Yeah, people, for, nice. what, for whatever reason, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure why, but whatever it is, you three seem to have the secret sauce. Um, and, and people always enjoy our downloads bump up a little bit when the group chat roundtables in the house. Jarrett uh, with Aspen Advisory. Uh, also, that's your day job, Jarrett. You're, 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 What's you, your night you, job? job your night job. Well, your moonlight. Go okay, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, I think he sort of has this look in his face like he can't wait to hear how I understand what his job is. Uh, but you, you help people put together big deals that are constructing towers, right? In your, in your day job, in a way. Yes. You work in the world of finance and development, yes. and, and, and then uh, you also work on a bunch of campaigns. You're very politically engaged, and, and you've got a lot of understanding of what happens behind the scenes. You're kind of like one of the House of Cards guys. Oh. He helped get a lot of the last council elected. Hey, JC I had did. a pretty good time. Yeah, uh, yeah there's no money in but politics, so you have to do something in the day to make money because you can't make money in politics. I love it. Jenny Adams is principal at the Adams Agency, and so you help uh, businesses, organizations, and and high-profile individuals understand how to best get their message out. I like it. How to have it resonate. Yep. I once I once included in your uh, introduction that you help uh, you you coordinate and plan events, and you gave me and this I like dagger look. You're like that is. My- Bailey coffee like, across the table. You're like, that's not what I do at all. <laughs> but we don't plan events. You're in the world of of, uh, of helping people get their message to resonate mm-hmm. or get the proper message out. And you're also a member of the, in Edmonton, this will be for our, for our, our local audience that, that shares this home city with us. You're a member of the DRC. The downtown, I think my mic's out. Yeah, no, you're good. Okay, the yeah. Downtown Recovery Coalition. Okay. Yeah, so a group of 25 individuals who are just from all different industries, nonprofits, kind of all walks of life, donating their time to really bring downtown's key um, areas, whether it be safety, security, or being investment ready, to light over and over and over and over again. Very similar to how you'd see those bike lane folks who are always bringing the bike lane issues up to heart. It's just an advocacy group to say, hey, here's downtown, here's the things we need, here's why we need it, and even if you don't live, work, and play downtown, this is why you should care. Okay, 10-4. I wonder if that might come up in conversation Mm -hmm. today. We'll see. We don't have anything scripted. It's not how we roll with the group chat roundtable. Harmon Candola joining us. He's a lawyer uh, with SBLLP. I'm a lawyer. He's a lawyer and uh, and also a longtime, uh, I mean, a political, uh, politically savvy. You've been politically engaged. You've been a volunteer. You were out in Hamilton uh, a short time ago, right? No, not Hamilton. Brampton. Brampton, pardon me. Um, helping a good pal of yours with his campaign. You, most, you, you recently ran in a municipal campaign here in Edmonton. You've been a provincial candidate with the Progressive Conservatives. It's nice to see your face. You're literally like just back from the world cup yes yes i i flew in uh you know a few few uh about a, about a day ago uh 22 hour flight uh left plus 36 to to land in in uh desolate cold and 
city you meant to say well and i was i was wearing shorts and a t-shirt on the plane why talk about the weather and, Carmen? and on the flight to edmonton the gentleman beside me is like do you know where you're going like where are you coming from and where do you know where you're going and i'm like well you know i'm going home and he's like i think you need to look at the weather you know and everybody's wearing their parkas and i'm there in shorts and you're I'm part like, of the problem yeah and we and leave here and we talk about the weather we've got to stop i wasn't trying to talk about the weather i was trying to live a mindset okay carmen's a little bit nervous because while most people will hear this on the podcast those that are watching on youtube will see that harman is currently in the interrogation <laughs> cam we have we have the interrogation cam you in front of the black uh curtain and it's making you a little bit nervous, maybe. No, what, what was the what was the actual experience like at World Cup? It's there's there's a lot of things to to process and talk about. I mean, number one, people saying that Qatar should have never had the World Cup. Uh, some interesting dynamics, like a, a teetotaling uh, stadium. Nobody's drinking any beer, which for sports fans that seems to be a big deal for some people. And then on the pitch. Uh, a lot of interesting storylines, some upsets. Uh, what did you take away from it? You know, and, and one of the things, you know, a lot of misconceptions about Qatar and and a lot of, you know, um, issues that you saw. And especially one of the things that um, became really blatantly obvious to me uh, with some of the, the misconceptions or, or some of the stories in the media. One in particular that bothered me was, you know, a lot of people talking about these fake fans before the tournament. So you had a lot of these South Indians who were captured in social media posts celebrating when, like, Team England came and then when Argentina came and there would be these group of South Indians who were in their jerseys and they'd show up to greet these teams and everybody's like, oh, look, Qatar's paying these fake fans to show up. You know, these are all fake fans. No, you go there and there's South Indians everywhere. They love football. They love soccer. They love Messi. Like, they, you know, in the Argentina game that I went to in Poland, they made up a huge contingent of the of the crowd. They've got their own chants, their own culture around this. And when you look deeper into it, especially in South India, like they put up like, you know, ma massive cutouts of the players. Like they've got politicians who are beefing on Twitter about, you know, is it Messi, is it Ronaldo, is it Neymar? Like their, their government is running programs around the World Cup to get education out. So it, it was interesting to see how a lot of people in the West were saying, well, it's clear that these are just paid fans. And then you understand, it's like, no, People are passionate about football around the world. And but, you, that but you can understand why there's a perception that maybe Qatar would just pay instead of doing things properly. Maybe that's how they got the World well, Cup I in mean, the first place. Maybe look, they just maybe, money. What? Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know if that was ever proven. Same allegations, 2002 Winter Olympics in, in, in Utah. You know, it came the out The Mormons that, paid? Yes. Oh, Everybody has paid. I mean, we all understand that FIFA is quite the, the corrupt organization. Yep. Same uh, with the Olympics. So Edmonton games. didn't pay. Edmonton did, not Edmonton pay. did not pay. I have heard that there was a suggestion that shopping was very important to the FIFA delegates and maybe the wives of the FIFA delegates should have gone to West Edmonton Mall and it's Edmonton. What's it was controversial. We even gave them a Canada Goose jacket when they were here. Really? So, Is that, yeah. What was that? Like the whole thing, like take the, first of all, that sounds like straight out of 1950s, but but we're going to take the wives of the delegates. There's no there's no female <laughs> delegates. I don't know. I don't know if I should be laughing, but like we're going to take the wives, because you know what women love? Women love shopping. Am I right, boys? Am I right? <laughs> but so we're going to take the, the wives shopping to, to WEM. Is that code for we're going to take them to, to like, we're going to give them you know, make sure they have suitcases full of cash at yeah. the mall to, to, to wink, wink, nudge, nudge, go shopping. Yeah, I don't know if you need to get suitcases of cash, but like maybe buy a couple purses or whatever they want. I don't sure. know. I mean, again, it's it's FIFA, right? It's just they do things a certain way and hey, we didn't pay them off. Well, they didn't, allegedly. They didn't. We didn't get the World Cup games here in Edmonton. Right. So. And so obviously whatever we did, you know, kind of fell short. 
Uh, and being in Qatar, it was nice in the fact that, you know, this was all in one place um, versus, you know, a typical World Cup. You're in different cities. Um, here, it was a concentration of all the fans in one place. I mean, the atmosphere was amazing. Every single game, you know, you had hardcore fans at most of these games. You know, you didn't really have casual fans. So the atmosphere was phenomenal. You know, going, I had the pleasure to be able to go to a couple of the Canada games. Yeah. You know, Got to go watch Canada versus Croatia and, you know, watch that first ever World Cup goal. You know, Alfonso Davies doing Edmonton proud. First minute. I mean, that was a moment. Some of my friends who are diehard Canadian fans, um, you know, had tears in their eyes. Like that that moment meant so much for Canadian soccer. Um, and, you know, this was a team, this Canadian soccer men's national team was a team that represented, you know, you know, Canada today. And I think that's what it resonated with a lot. And you saw that in the fans who had traveled. There was, you know, 15, 20,000 Canadians in this, in this uh, stadium. Like it, the atmosphere was electric amongst the Canadians. I definitely think we outnumbered the Croatians. Uh, the Moroccans are something different. Like Moroccan fans were wild. Like the ringing in my, my head from their whistling, like a week later is still there. Like this is how loud these people were. Um, but the Canadian fans, we did well. And you heard it from other countries. They would see our Canada flags and they'd come over to us and be like, you know, you guys were hard done. You guys played well. And everybody wanted to know more about uh, the Canadian team. They wanted to know more about Alfonso Davies. And, and there was this genuine interest of, you've arrived as a, as a soccer nation. And, mm. and that was kind of a special moment, especially for, you know, a lot of us who grew up playing soccer and totally being discounted. Sure. You know, and, and so it was, it was nice to, to have the boys played really well. I, I mean, as much as the, the Croatia result was disappointing, I thought they, they showed a brand of football and, and, and a style of football that was, 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 you know, attractive and, and impressed a lot of people. I don't think that, yeah, Canada didn't necessarily, get, I mean, it, it was unfortunate the whole like, you know, we're going to beat the F out of the whatever. And then Canada got pumped a little bit in that sense. But really, uh, we didn't get like embarrassed, which I think at international sporting events, I'm trying to think of what would be an example, maybe like the Latvian men's hockey team or something like that, where, where it's a huge win to be at the tournament in the first tier right? Not sort of in that consolation round. I think of, I don't know, what's another example? Japanese women's hockey would be another example of like where, where you can see major progress being made by those nations. And then you think of, I mean, here you are a grown ass man and that's amazing. But what about a, <laughs> what about a, what about a six-year-old or an eight-year-old? Well, my children. A, exactly. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I look at it and, and it was amazing for, for my son, you know, he's seven years old and he's kind of coming into his own wanting to play soccer and he gets to see that, gets to see that representation. And, you know, especially like Alfonso Davies, like this guy is an international, like he is Canada's, you know, best athlete in my opinion right now, men's athlete. Um, you know, he's put, uh, you think he's better than Connor McDavid? Absolutely. And oh I think, boy, baby, absolutely. here we go. Who is Connor McDavid compared to Alfonso Davies? What? You know, I, I, is that I think, a serious question? I'm, absolutely. Alfonso Davies is not the best footballer in the world, right? I, Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in the world. How many period. people play hockey? You know, how many countries play hockey? Being where Alfonso Davies is, is a way bigger accomplishment and achievement than what Connor's done. I already know what our highlight clip is going to be from this round table, and it's you losing in friends. In the interrogation In the interrogation this is, shot. This is why the downloads go up. It's like hate mail. Like, yeah, that's what he didn't exactly. say. Is like, he's like, yeah, people really want so to tune Harmon's so conservative, and he hates hockey. You know what? I love debates like that. On, 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 uh, and uh, there's no question. I mean, I, I, I love the beautiful game. I grew up playing it, but I can't say. I can't start dropping names. I can't tell you like who the backup keeper is for Croatia or anything like that. 
But I asked a friend who's passionate about soccer, about football. I said, give me a sense. Like, because he knows. I said, give me a sense, like, of, 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 of where Alfonso Davies stacks up. He said, well, he's, he's, he's not the best back Canada's ever had. He's not, he said he's, he's the best in the world at his position. And he's from Canada, which is pretty unbelievable. That's, that's rarefied air for Canada in that sport, men or women. I mean, let's keep in mind also one of the big controversies, James Duthie found his name trending for, for all the wrong reasons when he described Alfonso Davies' goal at the World Cup as Canada's greatest football moment of all time. And you've, you've got a gold medal winner, an Olympic gold medal right winner from the women's yeah. team sitting right beside him, just staring at him with this icy glare. I mean, the Canadian women have been elite uh, for a number of years now, but now to see the men getting to a point where they're catching up, they're not going to win Olympic gold anytime soon, I don't think, but it's a hugely encouraging uh, development, especially for young players, like you're saying. Well, and I, you know, this is a program that has been, you know, um, kind of mocked for a long time, you know, and after 86, there was a lot of people who had, you know, heard from players who played on that 86 team. And, and, you know, we grew up thinking that the world cup was never a possibility. 2026, you know, most likely we get an automatic berth. Well, having been able to like earn it on our own merit in this World Cup, demonstrated to the world. And again, I think it was interesting. So we got to watch the England-Wales game. And afterwards, there was comments by the Welsh um, you know, fans, which was the world got to see who we were. They got to hear our language. They got to see our flag. They got to understand um, that we were, we, you know, who we were. And it was interesting because it was inspiring for us going into the last match with Morocco that this was a chance for the world to see Canada. And what does Canada look like? And that was, you know, I think an important part of this, which is separate from the sporting perspective, right? You know, having in, in that story of Alfonso Davies, like you go through Qatar, like Alfonso Davies was one on the, was on one of the skyscrapers. Like there was an image of Alfonso. Out is that there. right? Absolutely. And the, his story is well known. I got interviewed uh, before the Korea-Ghana game by Ghanaian TV. And they pulled me aside and they saw my Canada uh, flag. And they're like, you know, wh- how do you guys feel about Alfonso Davies? You know, and I'm like, you know, we're, we're very proud. He, you know, he came over um, as a refugee from Ghana. And then this guy corrects me. He's like, no, no, he... He was he was he was a refugee from this country. He came to Ghana, and he started giving me the history. And so they're out there coming to us to talk to us about Alfonso Davies. I mean, this is how you know that he has transcended beyond just the borders of this country and Europe, where he plays. Like this, he's a hero to players, to fans across the world. And that's why I say that you know he's a bigger name, I think, uh, than than Conor McDavid when it comes to sports. <laughs> And it's a great story for Canada. You know, it, look at the Canadian team, look at, you know, a lot of sort of first generation people that came, you know, he came here as a refugee, right? And we gave, you know, Canada was able to give him an opportunity. He took advantage of it. And it's like, that tells a great story to the world because that's, 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 you know, probably the And he embraces his story. Single he embraces his identity. He tells his story. He's proud of who he is and where he came from. You know, I don't know anything about Conor McDavid's background. I don't know anything about, you know, any of the struggles he had to go through. As far as I'm concerned, he's just another privileged individual playing hockey. So to me, <laughs> I see Alfonso Davies and I relate to Alfonso Davies in a way that I can't to Conor McDavid. You know, and, and, and I think for a lot of people in this country, when they see Alfonso, that's what they see. It's a great story. Does the World Cup make... Like, would you consider yourself, Jenny, to be a, a, a fan of soccer, a casual fan of soccer? You can tell by how much I've said that. No, <laughs> no. 
Not especially. Does, does something like the World Cup pique your interest at all? Did no, you, have you watched the, like five the, minutes of the matches? There's not a lot of things in the world where the entire world is excited yeah. about something, right? You know somebody in every country who's paying attention. Well, I worked in Hong Kong uh, post-school, and I was there during the World Cup. And I worked at this clothing store as part of my internship, and we had to dress up as our favorite team and paint our faces and, and all sorts of things. Mm. And it was just it was very exciting to be in another country who cared a lot. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've never watched a soccer game. Actually, that's not true. In Chile, I went to a Colo Colo match and almost oh, died. Wow. Yeah, almost died. Had no idea which team was which and started doing the whistling for the wrong team. <laughs> and so anyway, it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> uh, that's Jenny Adams, Jarrett Campbell, Harmon Kendola joining us this edition of the Real Talk Roundtable live in the Real Talk studio. It's our popular group chat roundtable. And this wouldn't happen without sponsors like the Roundtable presenting sponsor. That's our friends at Urban Timber. This table we're sitting around, they're the ones that designed it. They're the ones that built it, delivered it, set it up, made sure we are thrilled with it, and boy, are we ever. But you know, they're about more than just tables. Uh, You can go online right now and check out their block collection, uh, urbantimber.ca. They're crafted from giant reclaimed timbers, mainly found in old grain elevators across the prairies. These are fur timbers. You can't go find big chunks of fur anymore you just can't but a hundred years ago these things were harvested from old growth trees and you sit there and you try to just count the rings and figure out how old your your new coffee table or end table is they mill each timber then sand and finish it with a silky smooth coating absolutely stunning you can check out their new showroom it's open this saturday from 10 to 4 a beautiful location in edmonton's west end you can find all the details online at urbantimber.ca now, we tell you who built this studio for us. It's the team at Complete Care Restoration. Now, here's the deal. They're in one of those funny business-type scenarios where they say, we hope you never have to hire us. They don't want to see your house burned down. They don't want to see some sort of electrical issue or smoke damage. They sure hope your basement doesn't flood. But if you encounter a disaster and you need restoration services, you know that with your insurance company, you are entitled to have the company you want, to have the company of your choice doing that work. I cannot more strongly suggest that you hire Complete Care Restoration. Their team is unbelievable. Their attention to detail, unparalleled. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. Hey, the holiday sales continue at McBain Camera. I want you to check out McBainCamera.com right now. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the creator in your life, you can save up to $450 right now on Canon gear during McBain's holiday sale. Create vibrant, professional quality prints from the comfort of your own home with the Canon Pixma Pro 200 inkjet photo printer. We don't print enough photos anymore. Everybody keeps them digital and then you lose your phone or your hard drive crashes and 10 years of memories are are gone, at least the photos of them. This is designed to meet the needs of photographers, graphic artists. The Pixma Pro 200 delivers outstanding results that your artwork deserves. And here's the best part. It's a compact footprint. It can print custom sizes up to 13 by 39 inches and it's just $649.99 right now. McBain. Plus, it includes a free paper sample pack. You don't give kids toys on Christmas without batteries. You don't give someone a photo printer without paper. And remember, all purchases at McBain are backed by that 30-day price protection. You can shop them online at McBainCamera.com. If you're the type to be making a New Year's resolution, maybe New Year, New You is something that you're going to wear as a badge of honor, why not start that journey today at AthabascaU.ca? Athabasca University is Canada's open university with world-class accredited online programs and courses. Here's the best part. Here's why tens of thousands of Canadians 
go to Athabasca U to accelerate their next career move, maybe just their personal understanding of issues that matter. It's because it's a schedule that suits your lifestyle, flexibility to learn at your own pace. For ambitious people everywhere looking for flexible approaches to higher education, check out Canada's open university, Athabasca University, today. And if the new year also means that you're going to find ways to cut your costs on what you're paying for utilities, electricity has been off the charts this year. Not in a good way. Why not get a free quote for solar today at kubienergy.ca? The price of solar has been dropping. You know, the average installations like 12 to 18 grand from the, the bungalows all the way up to the big fancy shacks. The price is down. The panels are lasting 30 years now. You're paying them off in the first 10 and even better. You can pay them off interest free with that Canada Greener Homes Grant. 40000 interest free, paid over 10 years. You're going, but what about the paperwork? Kubi handles that for you as well. It's a federal grant you won't want to miss out on. Kubi is providing solar energy solutions to power your life and, of course, presenting positive reflections every Monday right here on Real Talk. Well, this is an interesting situation, isn't it? Down at the Alberta legislature, every premier, when they retire... And Rachel Notley pushed back on this yesterday. She says, I'm not retiring. I'm not leaving. I'm running again. But when a premier retires or ends their term in office, a portrait goes up at the Alberta legislature. The Notley portrait was unveiled yesterday. And typically, the sitting premier will preside over the, funny how they call it, the hanging. But that's what they do. This time, that's not the case. Alberta's Premier Daniel Smith said that she had meetings and was unavailable to attend. Jenny. Does it maybe have anything to do with the fact that those two are going to go head to head? We expect in May, the provincial election coming up. It obviously does. Like if I'm on her team, if I'm her press secretary, there's no way I'm allowing that photo op to happen because that's going to run in every newspaper online. It's going to be memes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's no way. So you think it's a smart move yeah, on Daniel well, Smith's no part? Brainer. Whether it's Daniel Smith, you know, two people in opposing parties, I just can't see anyone doing it. I can't see Rachel Notley doing it if it was for Jason Kenney in the next go around if an election was being teed right up. Huh. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of with Jenny. I think they probably made the political call. You know, it is, you know, probably a sign of where, you know, politics has gone and some of the decorum has long since gone away and, you know, everyone's given up on that. On that, You know, I saw that and I thought to myself, you know, maybe, but, you know, there's a, what's that quote? You know, never attribute to uh, malice what you could better describe with incompetence. And it's kind of like, this is a premier's office that just introduced the Sovereignty Act and had to like, you know, revise it two days later. It's not like this is like a tightly run ship, right? And it's like, you know, maybe they're sitting there like two days before and they're like, oh man, we got conflicting meetings because we don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I mean, does this look like a tightly run ship to you guys from the outside? This is, but this is like a very me, simple so. call. Like, come on, JC, you've been on a million campaigns. This is a very simple call. For example, when you um, advised one of the leadership candidates in the last election to wear a suit, that was three sizes too big. Very simple call. Sometimes that you sorry, they, maybe ruined the election over. Yeah, that was that was the one thing. If that suit was the on, if that suit was tight. The suit would have been properly. And yeah, that we won't it. explain what we're talking about. But if you if you know, you know. Um, it's a very simple call not to have two opposing party leaders standing in a photo op. One that's saying, "Hey, I'm going to honor you as being a premier right before an election." Like, we, 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 like there's a voter looking oh I was going to vote for one and now oh they look no, like they're friends no but it's the like, media that will take this story and do something do, with, do it. with it come on your do what with it everything with it everything yes what do you, you know, think does it <laughs> I mean I think not going makes is, is the story uh, and and if that was what 
you know Daniel Smith was looking for. I, I don't understand the strategy of of you know positioning herself as you know um, going to be an adversary. The fact that Rachel Notley was actually a premier. Like, are we going to try to deny this that this factual existence? Um, and you know, I, to me. This is an opportunity for for Daniel Smith to to kind of continue to to show a pivot potentially, uh, and that you know she was that she's willing to to be an adult and and I think it was a, a missed opportunity. Think about her base. People ask me all the time. It doesn't matter if it's Rachel Notley or Jason Kenney or Daniel Smith. I'm sure they ask you too because we've been volunteers for politics forever, and some of us have run a million times and not won. Oh my God. <laughs> Jenny's on Jenny. She's like looking for a fight this morning. Jerry Campbell is a common denominator. I know he's the reason right? you didn't win. But anyway, um, people always ask, why would she say that? Why would he say that? It's ridiculous. And I'm like, yes, because they believe it. Like, and once you understand that the things that are being said and coming out of, of some of our past premier's mouths, they actually believe, then it makes you think about different, about why they're arguing things because it seems so ridiculous, the sovereignty ask. It, it seems so ridiculous and you can't understand it. But it's because, you know, the past few premiers really believe the things that they're talking about. And not every single one has. And, you know, it reminds me of, and I hope you don't mind, RJ, you know, uh, I, in our group chat, yeah. you know, I always used to say the only person that could go toe to toe with Jason Kenny in a conversation huh. because Jason Kenny was a, is so good at speaking would be Ryan Jesperson. And how many times have we asked Jespo to run for like many, many yeah. <laughs> different oh, all the time. We have we've taken you for wine, we've taken you for dinners. Like like it's our decision and like us sitting around in a room and trying to convince you it's yeah, a great he, idea. What he doesn't know is we set up a separate chat last night and we're like, hey, so we're gonna be on the air. We got a whole plan. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, ask him. The centrists you know. of the province are saying <laughs> yeah. Jespo. But you know, the one person I didn't think of besides you would be Daniel Smith, that she can go toe to toe. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so hang on a second. So, 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 okay. First of all, what we've established here is that I can be wined and dined, but not bought. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but not by us. Apparently, yeah, we didn't buy you purses at the mall. Yeah, we, just yeah. have, we just didn't have enough money. You like, we just kept upping it up and up and up, and it was just it wasn't we didn't enough. Have so any we don't know. Money, Maybe there, yeah, we didn't have any we money. Didn't have we didn't have any we money. Had no yeah, money. That's right. Could you even bought? We, we don't split know. the wine bill. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I saw a release from the. Of course, we're on all the mailing lists, and this out from the Notley uh, NDP team. Uh, yesterday, and I thought that this was pretty funny. Actually, uh, the, the uh, everyone will remember it was not actually called the the job killing carbon tax. However, the the label that uh, Jason Kenney and, the, and that Aaron O'Toole and that Pierre Poliev and that all at Candace Bergen and all of the prominent conservatives Scott Moe across the country, Doug Ford started referring to it as the job killing carbon tax, and it was either Rachel Notley's job killing carbon tax or Justin Trudeau's job killing carbon tax. Well, yesterday, a release from the Alberta NDP Notley called on Smith to immediately refer the job killing sovereignty act to the Alberta Court of Appeal and I thought well would you look at that wordsmith wise that's going to resonate with people it's a little bit cheeky but here's the fact of the matter it could or this is what people want to determine anyway could this sovereignty act actually kill jobs uh, we've been endeavoring to have conversations on this show we try to take the big issues and help understand what does this mean for the average Albertan. What does this mean for the average Canadian? Two things I want to say. One, if I was on Notley's team, I wouldn't have correlated the job killing anything because now we're talking about the job killing carbon tax. We're bringing it up mm. and we're bringing it up again. Why Why mention that? Because now we're having that conversation about what Notley did when she was a premier. Second of all, I think what Jason Kenney tried to do and was, was trying to do is create some confidence for investors in Alberta by keeping things the same. The Sovereignty Act is like, 
what what is going to happen here? Are you going to change your mind? You're not going to listen to the rules. We're not going to understand this. Anything can happen in crazy Alberta because of the Sovereignty Act. So from an investment standpoint, are you choosing to come here? Are you choosing to invest your dollars? And then obviously with the tr- trickle down effect when it comes to jobs for the everyday average Albertan. So I think we need that confidence and that consistency in this province, which is what I think the last premier was trying to do. Um, and this does not help. Yeah, the Sovereignty Act doesn't help. I actually like that they've called it the job killing car, you know, Sovereignty Act, right? You know, I don't think that people are going to go, you know, it, it reminds everybody what we're really talking about, right? What, what, are, what are the table stakes here? You know, th- this election is decided by, a, you know, a dozen seats in Calgary, right? And, and, you know, I've always thought, you know, Calgary is a very business focused, uh, business minded city. And, you know, you're really going to, you know, what's the ballot box question? And it's, is what's bad for business, right? You know, is this bad for business? And is this going to kill jobs? And I think that's a good narrative for them to keep keep pressing on, whether or not it's true or not. I mean, historically, you know, if you go back in the history of Canada, uh, Montreal was the sort of the, the financial banking center of Canada. It was really the center of Canadian economy. Uh, in the 70s, they started going down this path of increasing sovereignty. And it and it changed, right? All the big banks moved from Montreal. They moved their head offices to Toronto. It killed investment. This is what I don't understand. Like when you look across Canada, why would you ever look at Quebec and think we should be more like them? They got, they got low, like some of the lowest incomes in Canada. You know, they're on the, you know, they're the federal take. They've got no dynamism in their economy. Immigrants don't want to move there. They, I mean, they don't want immigrants. It's just, it's like, this is the, 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 the place in Canada that you should be the least like. I don't think they want, we don't, she doesn't want to be like Quebec. That, they want look the, at all the same comments. privileges that Quebec has to determine what they want to do. They look at Quebec and they, they, they see there's a sense of envy. They mention it. It's like, I, why, I think it's, Quebec I think gets it's, all this, Quebec gets all that. It's like, yeah, well, if your economy was a basket case too, you'd get bailed up by the federal government. We don't want to have a, an economy that's a basket case. We want a strong economy. Sovereignty Act doesn't help. Anything that makes us more like Quebec doesn't help. Well, and it, business wants, and Jenny, you touched on this. They want predictability. They want stability. They want to understand, you know, how um, a government regime is going to affect their, their interest. And... If the government itself doesn't know what's in this act and it, it itself doesn't understand the mechanisms that they're putting in place, how does that assure or give any confidence to business? To me, you know, having to go back two days later and, and adjust and after like being caught like, you know, kind of almost uh, like a deer in the headlights was, you know, a clear indication that this act, the, the Sovereignty Act itself was premature you know, they don't understand the impact that it's going to have on business. The quote that they used in their meme was totally out of context. I thought that was a very Which illuminating. one, Harmon? So, you know, I think the UCP put out, a, uh, it was it was one of the, um, and, and maybe Jared w- will remember this example and I'll pull it up. But uh, the, the context of the, 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 the meme that they put up was, you know, we're, 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 we don't think this will have an effect because we don't know yet was the rest of the sentence, right? And, you know, the, the effects are to be seen. Um, and that was part of the context that they didn't include of the quote. And it's like, you know, how are they trying to reassure business when literally they don't know what's in this act themselves? I, uh, yeah, the, the, the Sovereignty Act thing is, uh, I think that, that uh, Supri and I debated this on, on the most recent episode of Seriously. People can check it out at seriouslybod.com. And I asked the question of, of, of her, the same question that I asked Charles Adler a couple of days before. And that was, does Daniel Smith deserve credit for acknowledging that she needed, she didn't use these words, but to walk something back in her words to send Bill One back to the drawing board. I asked Adler if he thinks that that shows positive leadership qualities or negative leadership qualities. He assessed it as a negative. Sapria, 
though qualified, and people can check out the clip. Uh, you know, you can download the podcast wherever you find it. See, just these subtle little plugs all throughout. But but she did offer the caveat. She, but, but her takeaway, the point she made in one sentence, was that she thought Danielle Smith deserved credit. When a politician rolls something out that's insufficient or doesn't fit the bill, uh, then they should deserve credit for going back to the drawing board. It wasn't back to the drawing board for long. <laughs> you know, I mean, the government pushed it through like any majority government can. But do you think she deserved credit or do you think it was an egg on the face type moment where people are saying this doesn't even make sense? I think any leader deserves credit when they realize they've made a decision and that's not the right thing and to go back. And that's absolutely something we talk about when I work in crisis comms. It's like, hey, you messed up. You can either like go straight forward or you can stop and apologize and correct course and you win back trust that way. Our last premier with Kenny, remember, would never apologize for anything and walk back anything. That was their mantra. Just go, 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 go. Yeah. So it is certainly different. Um, I hate in our group chat that I always seem like I'm the one defending the conservatives. I'm not trying to defend conservatives here. I'm trying to defend and this Sovereignty Act. I'm always just trying to show the other side of what they may be thinking. And I think she said that I heard her speak twice now at the chamber luncheon and another time that she's willing to recognize when she's made mistakes or th- which she's had to because she's had so many already. Um, but they, they're willing to listen and kind of respond and improve the things that they're working on. But at the end of the day, they still believe the things that they're doing. And like you said, push through. Yeah. This. Yeah. I don't know. I've got a different take on this one. Right. You know, I, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, people make mistakes and they walk it back and there's certain examples where you know and kenny you know didn't like to apologize and walk things back but in this particular case it's like you know if i lit your christmas tree on fire here and then ran and got a fire extinguisher you wouldn't be like thank you for putting that out you'd be like you created a real problem here like when they release the sovereignty act <laughs> please don't know, light you, our christmas tree on yeah. fire <laughs> don't worry i'll put it out i don't know where the fire extinguisher <laughs> is uh, you, you know and I, i'm just realizing i don't either so <laughs> You know, and in this particular case, I mean, like they released this, this wildly unconstitutional thing, like, and people are, you know, really respected, you know, thinkers like Howard Anklin are going like, what are we even doing here? You know, JC, like, you're in this politics. This wasn't just like, oh, whoops, I made a little mistake. It's like, whoa, whoops, I introduced... Let's talk Hank, about their you know, base. Like, <laughs> the base of who Danielle is appealing to is, remember, further right than Jason Kenney. And the things she's been talking about are extremely, you know, far right ideas. And I'm sure there are lots of people that support Danielle that think this is a good idea. That they want I'm control from the she, feds, that they want to protect oil and gas, that they want to protect yep, all the things right. and have the ability to stand up. Like I know, my, I always say this, my family lives in Leslieville, Alberta, right? So I hear the other side of the equation. I hear the rural Alberta argument mm-hmm. and I'm still like, okay. But there are other people in the province who think differently than we do. And so I'm, I, I'm only trying to guess where she's coming from because I believe she believes the things she's doing and that there would be some people who agree with the Sovereignty Act. Well, but you know, do you think that's a path to victory? I think she, they probably think it's a path to victory. I'm not saying that I agree, but I'm saying whether you're far right or far left and you're speaking to, we say this all the time, people who like money a little bit and people who like people a little bit, I'm really high level uh, generalizing, don't come out in droves to vote. We're not bringing a bus of 200 people to come out and vote for something, to vote for a leader or 2,000. Like someone who's far right, whether it's a pro-life idea or someone who's far left, whether it's an environmental issue, who are really fired up. So that's who politicians are. Come on, guys, this is obvious. That's who politicians are appealing to these days. It's not us in the middle. So absolutely, I would think that if you're a leader and you're talking about something, you would 
think that there's an audience who agrees with you. But here's the thing, like, and, and again, I'm stating the obvious as well, but you can win. Like, I, I'm putting you all on the spot because I don't know the answer. I'm trying to remember how many votes Danielle got in the UCP leadership. It was like 50,000 or something like that. Am I, 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 I wish I could remember. It's, let's call it 50,000. I might be way off and that's on me if, if I am. Uh, but like to win, like Jason Kenney in winning the 2019 election had like almost 1.1 million votes, right? The Notley NDP had like, if I remember off the top of my head, like 670,000, something like that, like almost 700,000-ish. The Alberta party had like 170,000 votes and wound up with diddly squat. So you can get out the, the hardcore grassroots. You're talking about the, the and, and again, I'm not using this as a, as a disparaging term, but like the right wingers, I got mm-hmm. per, wonderful friends that are right wingers. That's not a, necessarily a bad, well, let me, let me, let me just walk away from that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is you can get 50,000 hardcore right wingers that, that would personally tell off the prime minister to his face and that drive around with the fuck Trudeau bumper stickers. And you can get 50,000 of them. But then you have to win the general. You can't get 1.1 million of them. But you see it with the CPC, right? And where where do they live, right? Like, Winning another vote in Leslieville, Alberta wins you no more seats. Agreed. Agreed. Again, there are a dozen seats in Calgary, maybe a couple. You could probably call Spruce Grove and Fort Fort Saskatchewan. You know, and that's, this is like, this is the, one of the hardest things in all of politics. You all believe in something. Everybody's got their base. The people that are in politics believe something. It, It, what matters and there's going to be some people that are going to vote for you no matter what. There's going to be people that won't vote for you no matter what. And then there's this small group of people that are swing voters. They may, they may not vote. They may show up. They may vote for a different party. That is who you try to appeal to. What but percentage you- of the general population would you say is the swing vote? Like oh, 10%? Man. Yeah, like if that, right? If like there's that. Not, there's not. And, and it doesn't even matter where. And it only actually matters if you're a swing voter in those dozen vote, you know, uh, ridings in Calgary, right? You know, like... Uh, you saw that in, and you see this tension, right? You, 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 okay, I want to win a leadership race, go to my base, find the people that's, you know, no matter what. Right. And then it's like, then you pivot to the general. Right. And I think that's one of the things that you, you see, you know, different paths, right? You saw Aaron O'Toole take a very particular path to win a very clear pivot to try to go to the center. And same and with then, Pierre. And Pierre didn't nearly to the same degree. Right. I, will- I didn't see that. You didn't think that he was pretty far right in how he won his... I didn't see the pivot, not to the same degree. Actually, he, it's he, totally he, different, totally different you know, timing. And, and so, you know... You, but they will I, come so to the center I, you know, to so, I, so you, you watch Daniel Smith come through. You know what she's doing. She's, she's got to get... I think her first ballot was like 24,000, right? The, the number of people that knocked off Kenny was like 20,000. We're talking about like a fraction of the electorate. You know what she's doing. She's, she's appealing to them. You got to say what you got to say to win a, a, a leadership. And then you look for the pivot, right? And the pivot, and they walk back. They still react a little bit. But, you know, I remember she comes on to, to Real Talk like three days later, and she's like, you know what? It's time to get rural Alberta back and represented here. And Calgary has run this party for too long. And I'm going, there's a dozen seats in Calgary that are going to decide this election. Like, mm. you know, are we pivoting to the center? What are we even doing here? But it's, it's, it's hard, and it is hard. And it's, it's everywhere in politics because, you know, if you look at, you know, for example, the NDP, the, the NDP base lives in Edmonton. You're going to win all of Edmonton. It doesn't matter, right? You know, you've, got, you've got these dozen seats in Calgary, but you've also got a lot of staffers who believe they're true believers. That's why you work in politics. The swing voter doesn't care. The swing voter barely pays attention. The swing voter is sitting there like they're not even, they're not tuned into this podcast. They're not following that closely, but you got to win their vote. It's very, it's, a, it's an interesting problem that everybody struggles with. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, 
let's put it this way, and I can't, for whatever reason, I can't use my Google machine to like get a, a real answer, but 85,000 ballots cast in the UCP leadership and Danielle Smith winds up with, you know, like over 50% of them. So, so 53, uh, 54%. So, you know, take from that what you will. So yeah, let's call it 50,000 to get to the point. So um, I want to put some polling in front of the three of you. I don't know how much polling matters six months out, but it's always interesting. Uh, We're hearing from Harmon Kendola, Jenny Adams, Jarrett Campbell on this group chat round table here on the real talk round table presented by our friends at urban timber. Wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at grand dog essentials, quality raw food. When it, when it comes to me giving you my word on something like what we feed our family including our four-legged family members that goes a long way right i mean we care about our family more than anything else even more than our friends in our group chat sorry guys it's true Uh, moses and monroe eat quality raw food from grand dog essentials why because we've seen what it does for their health for monroe it's her coat She's a three-year-old lab. She looks unbelievable with her raw food. And Moses, he's older. He's a boxer. His joints are starting to give him some issues. We've been checking out a couple of the new product blends, including the Doggy Moggy Beef Chicken. Why do you want to combine these two proteins? Well, variety is really important when you're feeding your pets, especially on a raw diet. And this is an easy way to achieve it. You can check out the product page at granddog.ca to find the full ingredient list. And this is a family-owned business that loves to answer any questions you might have. They'll design a custom program. They've got supplements. Whatever your dog's health issue is, they want to get your dog as healthy as possible. They deliver to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. The promo code REALTALK knocks 10% off your first order from granddog.ca. Apex Automation is putting out the call to professional engineers across the country. Shout out to Alyssa, who was tweeting about this just the other day. She's got a friend who's a PN. She was looking for a new opportunity. She said, I heard on Real Talk that Apex is hiring. They are. And they're attracting the most talented engineers from coast to coast to coast. Why? Because they put people first. They put people ahead of profits, if you can believe it. It still exists, this type of corporate mindset. I've seen the way that they roll. I've seen the foundation they built this company on. It's an incredible story, tripling their size over the past three years while a lot of other businesses were scaling down. How are they doing it? Check out at apexautomation.ca, their projects, what they're doing in automation, and of course, the careers link. This could be the first step you take toward a brand new you the most professional engineer in the in the country has to acknowledge that a lot of times it's about more than just the job, right? Apex gets that at Apex Automation. At Friesen Brothers, 65 plus years, Alberta grown, Alberta owned. They understand that the best times are the times shared around the family dinner table and they've got orders open now for their Ukrainian inspired Christmas dinner box. $60 feeds a family of four. What? a person for the full turkey experience with pierogies and those, oh my gosh, the creamy carrots with dill I was telling you all about, the dinner buns, the stuffing, the lazy cabbage rolls, you name it all. Hey, you have 40 people showing up, order 10 of them, they're ready to heat up while you're setting your table and enjoying your family's company instead of sitting over the stove mashing those potatoes for 20 minutes. Freezen.com is where you can place your order today. If you're sick of slipping and sliding all over the highway, you want to understand the importance, of course, of feeling safe and secure. Four-wheel drive by Jeep is the brand that's been most trusted since the 1940s in that Grand Cherokee, North America's 
best-selling SUV in history. No shops have a better selection than Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge in part because they can share their inventory. You can shop them online today or go see them in person. Let them know that Real Talk sent you. And, of course, you can get pre-qualified Understand the finances you're dealing with ahead of time so you can walk into that dealership with the knowledge that you're prepared to make a decision at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Uh, Interesting polling from the Angus Reid Institute. Uh, We're hanging out with Jenny Adams, Jarrett Campbell, Harmon Candola, professionals by day, politicos 24 hours a day. (laughs) And of course, uh, everything that happens in our group chat, we keep it off the record. That's kind of the whole point of the group chat, but uh, I really respect the three of your perspective and and expertise. I wanted to follow up on something, by the way. Do you feel like, quote, you are are always the one in the group chat defending the conservatives? Yes, I am. And I'm really just... I thought that was an interesting statement. I'm like... I'm not well. Anyway, let's not get into all of that. But is it I'm a hard always, left? Is it a hard left group chat? I don't think a, so. No, but I don't think lefties would want very, anything to do with our group okay. chat. It's a. I don't think so either. But it's a very uh, echo chamber Twitter. I live in a city downtown group chat. I don't life. live in downtown. Oh, no, wow. you don't. You won't cross the river. I'm surprised you're here right now, actually. I barely made it here this morning. <laughs> we need more people downtown. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do feel like I'm always defending, but my job is actually to always give people perspective on the opposite side of an argument or a conversation. That's literally what we get hired to do is figure that out. So I do feel like a couple times I've quit the group chat because you guys are such jerks <laughs> and giving me such that a hard time. That is true. There was a few months there you weren't in it. But there, it was my diplomacy that brought you back, wasn't it? Yes. You said, I'm leaving because you're the only interesting one if you don't come back. (laughs) It was a side text. It was a side text. (laughs) I I mean, I don't remember saying that specifically. Um, This uh, from the Angus Reid Institute, and I'm reading a tweet from Philippe Fournier from 338 Canada. He always reminds us when he comes on the show, he says, I'm not a pollster. I'm a poll analyst. Uh, So these are Angus Reid's numbers. It shows an Alberta poll. uh, This was out uh, just a couple of days ago. As a matter of fact, yesterday. shows the UCP polling at 48%. uh, The NDP 4.6%. Uh, four points behind them at 44 and then and then I mean uh, bo, 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 Alberta Party at 5 the Western Independence Party at 1 and the Alberta Liberals at 1% who's the 1% supporting the Alberta Liberals anyway I digress uh, some gender splits in that poll as well but why don't we talk high level numbers uh, first Jenny uh, are you surprised to see the United Conservatives polling at 48% the NDs at 44 what do you make of those two numbers this is a two horse race it's a two horse race I'm not surprised at all no like the Conservatives are not impressive I think uh, the NDP's rebrand is great. I think, you know, one thing that Rachel Notley's always been good at is getting swarms of people to buy into, like they care, the NDP care about people. They're trying to make a better place. I'm not saying that conservatives don't, but they're doing a really good job of getting people who want to buy into that brand and be a part of something. I don't ever get that feeling from any conservative party where I feel like I'm joining a team and I'm like, you know, I'm, this is going to be awesome. I mean, the amount of times that we've gone to political conventions that I've had to give, you know, it's just, they're, they're, it's just a different vibe conservative versus NDP so I'm not surprised and this is the you know opportune for the NDPs to kind of show what they have and um, okay but the way you're interpreting it I'm a little surprised because you're you're you seem to be um, the, the thing that's making an impression on you is that the NDP are pulling so closely to the United <coughs> Conservatives I mean I'm not surprised that that they're the conservatives aren't doing anything great. But I think another I think another storyline might be that the conservatives are polling better than the NDP despite, despite all a that. bit of Absolutely. a bumpy road for yep. Daniel Smith out of the gates too, right? Because yep. it's it, everybody says it's easier to oppose than govern. It's easy to look good in official opposition, right? Easy. Harder to get attention, you know, harder to get you, the media on you. Um, when I look at that poll, I mean, a high-level poll in Alberta only tells you so much, right? Like, what are the splits, right? 
the NDP increasing their lead in Edmonton does nothing. The UCP increasing their lead in rural Alberta does nothing, right? You know, and so the, it's the Calgary numbers. Again, I keep going back to this. I'm kind of a broken record on this. It's like the dozen seats in Calgary, Spruce Grove, Fort Saskatchewan to decide the election. Um, it is close despite everything, but there is such a structural advantage. I mean, you, a plurality of Calgarians have voted for a conservative party for 100 years. Um, you know, in 2015, they, a plurality still voted for a conservative party. They just split it between two and the NDP were able to win a bunch of seats. There is such a structural advantage for a, a single conservative party in Alberta on top of, you know, massive surplus, big giveaway. Everyone's getting checks. Like, you know, it, I look at that and I go, you have got every advantage and it's still close, right? And we're going to have a real election here. And it's going to be fascinating to watch how this is going to come together uh, in the next six months. It's it's going to be it's going to be you know I would if I had to put money on it I would still think that the UCP will win. The structural advantage is so strong, but my certainty around that is is far less than it would have been six months ago, right? Six months ago I'm sitting there. You got a thirteen billion dollar surplus in your Conservative Party in Alberta. We're talking about a three foot putt, right? Like this is not that hard. I miss a lot of three foot putts. <laughs> that's, that, you know. Harmon, what do you what do you read into this, if anything? Uh, uh, this, this again, Angus Reid polling uh, analyzed by Philippe Fournier, who says uh, stark gender splits in this Alberta poll out of uh, male voters. The United Conservatives have fifty five percent support. The NDP one in three, thirty three percent. Meantime, when you talk to female voters, it's virtually flipped. The NDP sees fifty three percent support, and the UCP about eleven points back at forty two. Well, I think one of the interesting trends we saw at, at a federal level some of the polling is that young males are starting to really embrace conservative politics um, and seeing a flip you know when you kind of break down um, that demographic by age uh, you, know, you know you see that federal and I wouldn't be surprised that we start seeing that provincially as well um, you know and, and that you know is a generational um, shift you know it's something that we haven't seen in Canadian politics uh, before at least on a federal level and if that is starting to trickle down into the provincial level um, it's not surprising uh, that you would see you know uh, the gender divide like that um, but I, I I think that you know there there's been uh, an opportunity missed by a lot of you know leftist progressive politicians in being able to connect with young male voters um, you know and, and you would, at a federal level we talk about this that Jagmeet Singh should have been the guy talking about affordability like that was that should have been his his issue they should have dominated on this and yet they let you know uh, Pierre really fill that gap in that void and really be able to connect with people and I think if you're Danielle Smith and you're 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 the UCP you look at you know the the path that that Pierre is is, is treading uh, and being able to connect on things like affordability um, that is more broad-based but also something that really is impacting young people because those votes are now in play in a lot of this country and that's something that just historically has not been the case so that is there's you know there are more uh, pathways uh, for them to actually connect with voters that historically don't support, um, you know, right wing and conservative politicians. You can check out Rick Bell's column. R Rick was on the show a few days ago. Every time I talk to that guy, I become a bigger fan of his. I don't know if you guys saw or heard that interview. Uh, we, we were talking about like personal health and wellness and, and having chats like leading in before Rick joined us. And uh, we we're talking about like losing weight or getting healthy or, or swearing off drinking for a while or whatever. And I remembered that Rick back in the day, he was he was a heavy set fella. That's just a fact. And then he lost like 100 pounds. 
and uh, and I brought him on. I said, I don't think Rick will mind talking about this, right? And so I said, hey, Rick, can we talk about your dramatic turnaround? He goes, we can talk about whatever. And I said, well, what was it for you? And I didn't know this about him. He goes, well, he goes, well, there was the one thing of like getting fit. He goes, there was the bigger thing of quitting drinking. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then he just opened it up and he was just like, yeah, it was like after my second DUI, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he just started like, I just, I just gained so much respect for his honesty there. And we just had a wonderful conversation. I know not everybody's like the hugest fan of Rick's writing. He's a columnist. If you're a columnist that everybody loves, you're a shitty columnist, quite frankly. And you're a better one if you have people that hate read your stuff. Uh, just ask Rex <laughs> Murphy, right? Rex Murphy trends on Twitter every time he pushes something out. He's not even on Twitter. Like that's my ultimate life goal. The point is, Rick just yesterday pushes out a, a piece, Daniel Smith and polls, more bad news in an NDP win. So we've been talking Angus Reid numbers. There's Leger numbers as well. This is before, though, before the Sovereignty Act debacle. So, so you can read into that what you will with regards to how it might change. But that shows a bit of a different story, right? That Leger poll last weekend, so that was like five, six days ago, um, shows the NDP at a 47% of decided voters and the UCP at 44%. The biggest difference is that it shows, and again, six months out, take it for what it's worth, it shows the NDP taking 21 out of 26 seats in Calgary. I mean, that would be a national news story for like a year if that were to happen. Uh, so we can only talk as much as we can looking into the crystal ball. And there's a lot of stuff that has to happen here. Uh, but I think, again, it's safe to say Calgary's the battleground. Edmonton, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call a sweep uh, for the NDP. I think that Deputy Premier Casey Maddow is going to lose his seat. I do. And I would actually probably bet money on that. Um, but we'll see. I don't know if anybody else sees anything differently happening in the capital city. No, I I, th I think that's a fair comment. You know, you talk to people. You know, when I'm talking to people uh, out there who are voters, you know, even if they are federal conservatives, they don't they don't see a path to them voting uh, anything other than the NDP in Edmonton. You know, and, and you talk to them about you know how they reconcile that. Uh, there's definitely been a, a separation in terms of you know kind of the direction of conservatism um, and how they it's perceived at least in Edmonton by voters and there are so many people that I meet who are voting provincially they're voting uh, for the NDP and Rachel Notley but federally they'll still continue to maintain their identities as conservative voters yeah. so are we really getting kicked off the show without talking about the city budget no 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 I, well I don't want to talk about the city budget do you seriously well, I mean, what about all I our audience know. members outside the city no oh, we can oh, touch about, no no, or no you're fine. saying you're saying because for those that are streaming live it's now 9 30 mountain time and yeah. i and i asked you guys to stay for an hour um i'm hoping to squeeze a few more minutes unless you guys have meetings coming up because we haven't even talked to c21 yet can you can you say no to your next commitment i know you have one looming can you say no to just it just a quick? massive I'll renovation happening i'll give you five yes, more yes, minutes yes, no, um this is here's an interesting point from dean in our live chat love the real talkers that join us live every morning on youtube shout out to those of you on the mixler live streaming audio app uh, presented by the way by california closets that's the first time that i'm mentioning that Welcome to the team, California Closets. Dean says, I live in Calgary and I have not encountered hardcore right wingers. Uh, he says, I also interact and have friends in rural areas, and I don't necessarily believe somebody that hunts or supports energy development is a right winger. Uh, Dean, I agree with you there. Uh, let, can we talk? We're talking hunting. That's, that's a nice way to roll. I'm just curious to know um, where the three of you stand on C21, the gun control bill. I'm really excited uh, to let our audience know we have an interview coming up on Monday with the most legendary trap shooter 
in Canadian history. And this is going to be super cool. And I'm going to tell you more about her in just a little bit. Uh, but uh, Dr. Susan Natris, a six-time Olympian. She was the first female shooter in Canadian Olympic history. She's a world record holder. Uh, she's an absolute legend. And we want to, to take different angles on this because this is just turning into like the federal government and the urban folks against the hunters. And like, that's not what C20, the, the conversation has to be bigger than that. Uh, the question is, uh, is it called for? Uh, is it the type of legislation that Canada needs? And, and how damaging or beneficial could this be for the Trudeau liberals? Uh, Harmon, I've got your eye here. What do you think? Well, I don't think it makes any difference uh, to the voters who, who uh, supported uh, Justin Trudeau. All this does is rile up uh, the conservative base and people who you know are are, are pro pro gun. Um, I remember my my interactions with guns. Um, you know, thanks to to my good friend, uh, member of the group chat, Jared Campbell, introducing me to the Alberta way of life uh, of, of going out and and uh, you know what we thought was um, you know crown property. Uh oh. JC and he assured me that you know he knew the laws and and he knew he understood where we could shoot and where we could not shoot but turns out he was wrong well like I grew up in small town Alberta like six hours north of here right and so like for me crown land you could do whatever you want on crown land you'll shoot some guns like you know kind of thing so there was some crown land up by Fort Saskatchewan I guess like looking back you're like yeah well like crown land just outside of Fort Saskatchewan doesn't operate the same as crown land outside of Manning Alberta Shout out, man. So it's like, yeah, you know, my buddy Harmon doesn't know much about guns. I got a bunch of guns. I was like, let's go, let's go skeet shooting, like at this crown land. Like you just drive out there and shoot it. And he's like, you're allowed to do that. I'm like, that's yeah, crown land. Yeah. Well, we found out the hard way that, yeah, you like, well, it's I, different. This is not, nor, this is not crown land like I thought about crown land. Okay. We so what happened? Hard, what happened? Find, I've got a shotgun in my hand. I'm shooting some of these skeets and I'm doing phenomenally well because uh, <laughs> I'm a natural. Um, I, that's actually a, that's a fair statement. He was very good for someone well, who's a natural. Was, natural. I will say natural. that. that, that Guns and I, we get along. And, and so there I am. I'm, I'm shooting these skeets and we hear the rumble. This rumble starts. And, you know, you know, Jared's like, stop for a second. We take out our, our earplugs and we're like, okay, well, what's this rumbling? All of a sudden you see these ATVs roll over the hill. <laughs> okay. I'm like, well, who are these characters? And they get closer. And as you're getting closer and are closer. Are you wearing a suit and tie at this time too? Because you don't wear jeans, I know. <laughs> I, I actually wearing jeans right oh, now, okay, I'm sorry. I take it back. Wow. Carry on. Um, you know, and there I am. I'm holding the gun still in my hand and it's loaded. And as you get closer, it's the police. You know, and they got their police vests on and they roll up and they walk right up to me and I'm holding the gun in my head and he's like, you can put the gun down now. And I'm like, oh my God. If, if this was America, I'd be dead. Like, yeah, you would have been dead. They would have just been like, brown guy holding the gun, boom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's terrible. In America. In America. In America. In America. But sure enough, they were, they, they, you know, they very politely told us that this was not uh, a proper place. It's actually private property that people have been sure abusing. It's... No, it was, it was Crown Land, but it was whatever. You can't just go shoot guns in Crown Land just outside of Fort Saskatchewan. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and there were, but there were shells everywhere there. And so yeah, we weren't the only did, ones doing it. We but... weren't the only ones. And so we, we cleaned up our little shells and we, away we went. But I think, you know, coming back to, to, to the bill, you know, here is just, more, you know, this is again, uh, Justin Trudeau's, you know, liberals doing things that they think will appease, um, you know, some of their base. Again, I don't think it makes any difference. The people who are opposed to this were never going to be their voters. Um, you know, and, and so here, here's a way for them to now uh, illustrate the conservatives as being, you know, pro-gun. And, and the way that they link that is, you know, here are people who are in favor of, rec of, of lawlessness. And, and that's the link that the liberals want to make, um, which I think is very unfair. I think it's extremely unfair to so many Canadians, um, you know, who, who have guns and, and 
and have guns and, and use them in a safe way. We don't have the same levels of gun violence as, as, as America. And, and trying to use those tropes um, and narratives in Canada, I think, is, is dangerous. Is it so you're you're a gun owner currently like you got a locker full of guns and like I just want to establish your credibility or your position on this <laughs> Yeah, like my, my 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 family all has them. Okay, my brother's okay right So now. like you're familiar with it. You have your pal. You're oh, like yeah, you're yeah, yeah. blah 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 but You're like no, actually I just have a bunch under the bed uh, But <laughs> so so what's Harmon says, you know, the Trudeau liberals are doing this to appease the voters I mean the, the, that wouldn't be their message their message would be we're trying to address violent gun crime in Canada We're doing our best to ensure that these you know, blah 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 blah. Uh, where do you land on it as a gun owner yeah as a gun owner you know it it, it to me it, one it's poorly designed right like i think that they have identified some guns that are like truly just hunting guns i don't think it was a well-designed bill but the whole principle of it was very cynical right and 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 you, and you see this with the federal liberals right and it's part of the kind of the um i'll call it like the you know we all live in canada but we all watch america what happens in america and, and that really you know influences a lot of folks and so you know, you, you saw this. I remember, you know, uh, was it the, the Trudeau versus Sheer election or maybe early O'Toole? They start going down to the polls. They go back to the well, right? Guns, abortion, you know, these kind of things, right? And what they're trying to do is the, those, those sort of like GTA uh, 905 swing voters, like the real, you know, the path to victory at the federal level goes through there and there's some swing seats there. You know, it's just like, what we're trying to do is get the conservatives, get the base to react, make them all mad and go, look at how crazy these guys are, right? And, and, you know, guns are bad. Look what happens in America. And I'm sitting there like if you truly felt gun violence in Canada, you, like the border's the big problem. The guns from America come over, right? Like the, the hunter in Alberta, his rifle is not the problem. The problem is the, when we see gun violence in Canada, it's usually guns that got over the border. So, like, again, it's just cynical politics. It's just like they, they got the reaction they wanted. You know, you saw Carey Price up there, you know, and, and suddenly it's like the story becomes these guys are crazy. They, all they love is guns. You know, guns are bad. Vote for the liberals. Oh, well, man, you as, a, you as a comms advisor must have been like the Carey Price thing. I was like, who? I said on this show, who the hell was? No one was looking out for Carey Price there. That guy, I, I, I don't, I'm not like just going to try to defend Kerry Price, but I just, I, I don't know him personally, and I want to be careful how I put it because if I was just going to cut to the chase, I would say I don't think that Kerry Price like has the sort of, uh, what do I say, the necessary base that he needs to wade into a political conversation on gun control in Canada. But it clearly was not necessarily. I think he underestimated the impact of posting a photo of him. With his hunting rifle, like, right? I mean, yeah. like, what, you, you have to, what are the pros and cons of stepping into something like that? And the cons greatly outweighed the pros. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say I haven't been paying attention to this at all. So, I, so that's also an important point. But it's an important thing. Like, and my fa again, Rocky Mountain House, Leslieville. Like, when I, I decided I wanted to move in with my dad when I was 18, he was out in Spruce Grove. My mom was very mad, and she said there's going to be all sorts of rules. And I'm like, okay. So I call my dad. I'm like, Dad, what are the, what are the rules? And he's like, Well, well, you know, don't touch my guns. I'm like okay and then the next day a big safe came and all his guns went in there and like where were they before they were i don't know just <laughs> probably around the house this is a long time ago in a rubbermaid yeah, bin exactly. by the back door but huge hunters he has a 1200 square foot smoke shop for all of his hunting and what ah. they do with the meat after so I, I can only imagine the rage of sitting around you know drinking beer and trudeau hating w with this news but it's something i just don't pay attention to it's i haven't paid attention to it whatsoever wait you look at like so you know this i mean story the gun violence thing i completely agree with and then the hunting thing and it just seems like again 
politics, but right? Like me is a is a good proud suburbanite uh, who lives in you know South Edmonton. But you're a man, you, you know. Like but, guns. But I I wouldn't. I what would I know about guns until you know my good friend Jared Campbell from Manning, Alberta decided to you know show me. Uh, it's the a way melting of life. pot. It's a melting but, pot. But before that opportunity, like why? When would I ever go use a gun other than at a gun range mm-hmm. uh, or you know in, in a shooting range? So for for someone like me, you know, you look at any guns and it's it's easy to villainize yes. gun owners, right? It's easy to you know kind of tell us that you know this is what's going to keep us safe and keep my family safe so again it appeals to me in that basic level if i if i'm someone who's in the gta where there is you know a rise of gun violence that's happening right now where you know there's a rise in, in a lot of uh, criminality and, and a lot of you know issues and you, you look at the gta one of the biggest stories when i was there for the municipal election was around safety and security right so, and so is it in downtown edmonton i just want to say because we're not talking about the city budget but no, here, we can talk about city <laughs> budget but, but here's here's where here's where you know this is all cynical politics right at, you know at a municipal level safety security wins elections mm-hmm. right it's the same thing at the federal level. And that's all that the liberals are looking for is they're going back, like JC said, back to the well to bring back the same issues because that's what wins elections. Yeah. And it, we see it at municipal level all the time. Safety and security are the things that people want to talk about. And that's the things that, that resonate. Yeah, fair. yeah, this is not their first time that they have, didn't they, they banned guns about a year and a half ago too. They picked a bunch of guns and it was a whole big thing. And it's just like, you go back to the well, right? Like, you know, if they're in the lead up to the next federal election, you start losing, they're going to start, you know, bringing abortion politics back up, right? You know, it's like, you know, get the conservatives to do something crazy. So you scare the swing voters in the GTA. Okay. It's the oldest playbook in the, like, it's just old. If we're going to acknowledge things that we've not been paying any attention to, and this (laughs) is going to make me look just the tiniest little bit bad. I've not been paying any attention to Edmonton's municipal budget. Um, it's not typically the, the show doesn't like really sort of zero in on Edmonton specifically too often. Uh, we talk sort of we look at it more as a prairie podcast, so to speak. But what are some of the what are some of the things that you? I mean, this is a great opportunity. Uh, part of the reason people tune into Real Talk and in particular the roundtables uh, is, is to get a few important talking points, a couple important takeaways. What are a couple key storylines that you're keeping an eye on? I mean, there's budgets happening across the province right now, but absolutely. I mean, obviously. Obviously, the hundred we don't have any money to do anything, but the hundred million dollar investment into bike lanes, like bike lanes to we don't know where. Uh, Harmon's a big bike lane supporter. Uh, that was a critical part of his last municipal Look, campaign. I had so. to, you know, JC forced me into an exchange where I would support. Uh, bike lanes, uh, even though, you know, suburban bike lanes, the way that they had them before, you know, down some industrial road, industrial street, you know, with some paint on the lines and saying, yeah, this is a bike lane. I understand the need for having separated, safe spaces for people to ride their bikes. You know, you go anywhere in the world, you have bike lanes. Mm-hmm. Like, get over it. We need some bike lanes. The $100 million tag well, that's the point. is terrifying. Yeah. You know, when you hear that, you know, we're facing these huge budget increases, we don't have money for uh, homelessness, we don't have money for affordable housing, but we're going to spend $100 million on bike lanes? Like, the optics on that is uh, I, shocking. I, I, you know, that's a number that scares people. It could have been $90 million, $88 million, and I think it would have sounded better. $100 million for bike lanes is going to piss people off. I think the fact that they're talking about um, defunding, if that's a st- not a strong of the zoo is a big deal. Like, we've made commitments to what? past. Yes, that's a huge thing. I mean, I live in the West End, so the zoo is a big topic of conversation and w- if we should still be investing in the zoo. Taking money out of the uh, the high-level bridge, you know, and maintaining that. We have all sorts of infrastructure. What, that what do you mean? 
They're going to stop maintaining the bridge? It <laughs> sounds like a they're bad not idea. Gonna, they're not going to do it to the level. You're going to be safe on your bikes, but you're <laughs> fucked on the bridge. <laughs> they're not going to do it to the level in which was first. I mean, this was one of the things I read in Amarjeet's blog today. Okay. So, I, you know, I think we don't invest in, in the infrastructure that we have created or the commitments that we have. But the big one that I want to mention is obviously the overlooking of downtown. And it's not going to surprise you that I'm going to say this, but downtown Edmonton is 17% of our tax base. And there is little to no investment in trying to make downtown investment ready. You know, the more businesses we have, the more residents we have that live downtown, the more people that we have, that helps the entire city. You know, without that tax dollars, we don't have money to do the bike lanes or the bridge or the zoo or the Lewis Farms Rec Center. You know, all of the things that we need. So it's a big problem. And I think forward thinking, if our downtown, if those towers empty out, if, if everything's empties out. Empty out more. Empty out more and the, the values of them go down, everyone's going to be paying more out of their pocket for all of the things, the nice to haves that, we ha- that we'd like to have. And we need a bigger focus on downtown. Well, I think this is a North American problem. The problem Not is in Calgary. They we, put Edmonton we, or the downtown first. No, no and, and I'm, I'm actually agreeing with you, Jenny, in this situation, which is we don't care enough about maintenance and in investing in maintaining what we have. North Americans want new things. They want the next new shiny thing. You know, and so when when Emergy talks about, you know, kind of pulling back on dealing with the high level bridge or these other things, this is because we've got this fundamental problem that we as a society don't care about investing and maintaining what we have. Rather, we want the newer, shinier thing. We want the new rec center. We want that, you know, new bike lane. I don't know, you know, I guess JC and his friends get excited when they see new bike lanes and they all go on on rides together. But I I think, you know, that's a a fundamental uh, stress and tension that politicians have, right? Is how do you kind of appease people by giving them new things that shows that you're doing something. Because if you're just working on maintenance, well, then the criticism is you're not actually doing anything. But as a municipal counselor, I don't know, JC, this is really your world. Like, what is your basic job? Like, is it taxes and grass and mosquitoes and potholes? Like, is there not some basic job with the basic amount of money we have? And then there's all the nice to haves where we're kind of stepping out of our lane as city councillors and we're working on projects and things, maybe it's innovation or maybe it's this that isn't really, you know, the basic level of what we need to do with the money we have before we get, you know, seven, 10% tax increases. Yeah. I mean, it's central tension. I mean, you guys make some really good points, right? It's always this tension between, you know, you got to win, you got to win votes. And so new shiny things win votes. And, you know, you're also trying to fix all of the problems in the world. You know, one of the, with, with the municipal government, especially how we've got our, you know, constitution, it's not a constitutional level of government. There's not, there is not that clear delineation. And so, you know, and this, and this central tension comes back to a lot of the conversations that, that are happening about downtown, you know, housing and safety and security. Well, whose job is that, right? So, so you, you know, you as the DRC are mostly advocating to councillors and saying, make our downtown safe. Council's going, well, like, when you really think about it, Many of these issues are provincial issues, right? And that's been, you know, a lot of you're the talking mental health, healthcare, homelessness. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, some somebody doesn't have proper health care and they're living on the street making people feel unsafe. And it's like, you know, the 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 the, the folks like the DRC and a lot of the voters are, are saying, like, city council, go do something about that, right? You know, we want you to fix this problem. Mm. And council's I don't going know if that's like, exa- like like kinda, you know, and, and council's going like we want to, but we've got limited resources. We love the province. The province has stepped up, but it's like it at least it's elevated clear. that it's a problem. And what can you do? You can bring businesses and people downtown. And that's what city council can help with. They can make us investment ready. They can provide a per door incentive. So people, developers, let's say, start building more residential towers downtown. The more we get people downtown, the more safer it's proven mm-hmm. that the downtown will 
like we're not asking for rocket science but yeah we are elevating these issues just like folks who are pro bike lane or people have their own issues that they're always bringing them to to be, to be top of mind well we i mean yeah. we invested in, in building the studio downtown and i'm still waiting for the key to the city so where the hell is that <laughs> um plane power on our live chat says why why are you guys picking on bike lanes the yeah. best the it's a hundred million dollars <laughs> you know it's the, not bike you know what lanes. the worst part about this we haven't even revealed this until now is that uh in our move we can't find our fifth microphone which meant to have four around the table we had to steal johnny's microphone oh, no. from his producer station can you want to yell and the mics will pick it up what's your thought on the bike lanes i'll weigh in tomorrow but, but bike lanes bring people down bike lanes bring people downtown okay you and i let's talk bike lanes on monday okay, okay but the deal pers- oh. but, but let me just make the quick point and then and then i'll hand the mic and over to you jenny huh it's what and, and fuck the zoo uh, fuck the zoo. Well, yeah. he wants well, a free Lucy, hey, right? Well, Lucy well, still, well, Lucy Lucy's the elephant. There's, going, a, there's another. There's Let's another camp. The there's elephant. yeah. Well, well, we, we should bring up the elephant. But but there's there's people. There's a new <laughs> bill. There's a new billboard up on the QE2. They want to they want to save Lucy and send her to a sanctuary. And it's a big long story. Uh, Plain Power says, listen, the best way to deal with traffic congestion is to offer alternatives, and cycling is an alternative. If you compare the amount that they're investing in bike lanes against the amount set aside for other roads, let's talk like Yellowhead expansion or what have you. The comparison is staggering. Um, we should cut road spending the same amount as for bike lane spending. Uh, meantime, Charlotte says Jenny's correct. Uh, most exciting cities are the best. Most exciting cities have a, an exciting uh, downtown core with entertainment areas, with uh, well-maintained historic buildings like Miss, uh, Mercer Warehouse uh, and restaurants, etc. And uh, so there's, there's some interesting points there. Someone else I, I saw said, if you want to see where commerce goes to die, check out the Edmonton City Center. That from Shirley. Uh, go see Edmonton City Center on a Sunday. That's an absolute. I don't know what they're going to do with that. That footprint. That's got to be four. No, like two square city blocks. Four square cities. This massive footprint in downtown Edmonton. Yeah, and they're um, doing the best that they can. Oh, of yeah, course they are. This is, I'm not taking swipes at them. No, I, can't, I, know, I can't imagine. And their owners are interested in redeveloping. And yeah. again, it's like, hey, we'll show us that this is a smart decision because without that shopping center, which is a massive footprint, as huge. being vibrant, that's a huge hole in a downtown. So show us that it makes sense to invest hundreds of millions of dollars here. Yeah, and there's a certain irony too, isn't there? Although and maybe it's maybe I'm misusing the word, but like there's LRT construction happening right outside that mall. Like Yes, and then city council decides to shut that road down in a pilot project because, yeah. you know, folks on bikes decide that they want to have that dead. So now we've got a dead <laughs> road. No, but that's oh, exactly boy. what happened. And I'm not anti-bike, but here, Stephen Delansky and Chris Henderson are going back and forth on Twitter. And okay. I, I want to give some credit, but there was a cite, cite the sources. So Delansky, Delansky is a former UCP lawyer. He's yeah, a well-known he's a lawyer. lawyer. He was Kenny's lawyer for a while, yeah, uh, or one of them. And, uh, and Chris, Chris Henderson, Henderson is chief strategist at Y Station. And they don't usually agree okay. on Twitter, okay? Yeah. But here that they do. But I think they like each other. I think they like. I mean, we all like each other. But they're talking about how if if city council pours millions and millions uh, into more bike lanes, we may get a one point five percent increase of commuters using bikes. And there's a poll that kind of went out and some research that was done. And so Chris actually writes back, and I think it's a great idea, um, that he says, I agree with Stephen, we should be providing more incentives for people to use transit, the transit system we have, and invested in to justify the expansion of transit. And then I'm going to add bike mm. lanes, mm. right? Like let's, if it's one, if that's all the bump is going to do is 1.5%, let's incentivize people, because we haven't even started talking about the LRT that we're spending all of our money on that doesn't work and isn't going to work for a long time. And we don't know where people are going right now, right? So if we if we start to justify how we're spending money with not just because we need to do it, but because we have ridership, because it's going to pay for itself, and we incentivize people, well, then maybe more of us can get behind it. But $100 million, like Harmon said, when we don't have money to do all these other things that we need to, the nice-to-haves, like the bridge or the Twilliger Drive expansion or Lewis Farms or the zoo, and the things that we've previously committed to, it's really hard to get behind. It's not an anti-bike thing. It just seems a little 
crazy. Why? Yeah. Give me bike lanes in suburbia. Give me the bike lane. You would have made a great counselor. People. I am being serious, Harmon. I wish you. No, I wish you. Like Southeast Edmonton. You would have been a great counselor, right? Harmon. Who are the people? Who Shame on the people in your ward that didn't send <laughs> no, you to no, the no. Shame <laughs> on those voters. But nothing to do with the voters are never wrong. Campaign. The voters are never wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, some interesting comments. Graham says the zoo doesn't help Edmonton with tourism. It's overshadowed by Calgary. I mean, that's been the case for the. I mean, Calgary's got a, a world class zoo, and, uh, and and Calgary zoos. And we we should we should do a whole show on how the the mandates of zoos are are evolving to be more sort of like uh, um, what's my what like a restorative type thing where like animals that have been like like orphaned whatevers can come there and like and be bred, and we can restore populations and maybe release this sort of education center. I just I just can't ignore the feeling I get I, I when agree. I'm at a zoo where I just feel bad. Well, I just, I just feel think bad one day it's going to be us in the zoo. There, there's a giraffe in this concrete room <laughs> and like it it just just to me I just I can't get on board with it. But that's totally fine. Everyone can have their own uh, their own opinions on that. I like that I like that we had this sort of like 20 minutes of, of like hyper Edmonton specific content because I know that I mean the, the live chat's catching fire right now too. So so there you have it. It's almost like um, we're popular. There you go. The people, it, it, the people like, want Edmonton municipal budget conversations. We're absolutely super nerdy. We could do an hour just on the municipal election. We Harman, could. Election like budgets, you know, model. Go back to really Herman's shot for a second. We really go back could. To Can we go Look back to the interrogation guy. cam? Herman, look in the camera. Yeah, this is it. it, This is traumatizing. (laughs) It's like I'm being interviewed now that you're all looking at me. We need to have one of those like the the the, the drop down single bulb light bulbs (laughs) that just hang there right in front of you, just radiate heat. You know, Um, Harmon, so grateful that you were able to join us. You're probably still completely jet lagged, and we love that you. You you almost came from the airport straight to here, so it worked out great. Not in your shorts, Uh, Jenny. Thank you for uh, postponing the meeting with your uh, home renovations team and uh, and for sticking around. You may owe me some new cabinets if Uh, I get there in the room. Well, yeah. Hey, I know a team that does amazing Perfect. work. Oh, it, I'll take the closets, the California closets. The California closets. Yeah, there you. you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll have them all, the whole thing done by Complete Care Restoration. How many sponsors can I fit into this casual well, mention? Freezing Brothers. I, say, I need my, some groceries, my, need too. Some I, I do want to give a shout out to Athabasca U. My wife is a very proud graduate. Is uh, that right? Yes. Um, over COVID, over having two ch- children, she had the flexibility through Athabasca U to finish her master's. Oh, that's amazing. And, and she, 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 you know, so I, I want to give it a shout out to, to, to Athabasca University for being a phenomenal um, educational institution. That's very cool, Harmon. I appreciate that. Would They're, you move to Athabasca if you worked for them? No. Okay. Yeah, that whole that's thing. boy. Is that, that ever is a can of What are you trying to do? You're trying to start a whole. It's nine fifty three now. I know. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, my go, house we'll, is going down. Johnny and I can yeah. go forever. We don't care. I mean, I'll go forever on that. That's an interesting story, isn't yeah. it? As well, but the provincial government, for, like to, to do it in one sentence, and then maybe a quick comment from you. Here was the idea under the Kenny Conservatives, and I don't know if there was. Uh, malice is a heavy word to use, but I don't know if they were trying to flex their muscles a bit, the provincial government, when it came to funding. Uh, but they were talking about how a lot of the funding for Athabasca University would would rely on the fact that they wanted, what was it, at least a quarter or half of its faculty to be living in Athabasca, Alberta. It was an influx of 500 people, yeah. 500 individuals. So we're talking though, like the, the, the town of Athabasca is a wonderful place, yeah. but like but like you're talking about like it would overwhelm the housing market. It would do, and, and also that's kind of not the point. It's a remote learning institution. It's a It's an online post-secondary institution. Yeah, and I think if you go back in time, the whole reason for having Athabasca University was to help Athabasca's econo- like economy at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why the conservatives were circling back to it and saying, no, no one lives here. This isn't helping the economy whatsoever. Now, Everyone has online programming. You need some of your executive, but they backed right off of it. Yeah, they did. Was that Lougheed that established? I was trying to Lougheed or Getty. It was right around that time. I, I should know better. Um, and JC, uh, thanks for hanging out with us as well. I hope we didn't make you you know, late for any of your, your, your white-collar board meetings. Your very important <laughs> no. decisions. Very political elite. Very, your political, yeah. the political elite, elite. The 1%. The elite political. volunteers. 
See, I was going to give my shout out to to Friesen Brothers, you know, because I'm not part of the political elite. I grew up in Manning, Alberta, peace country, yeah. the home, the founding of, of, of Friesen Brothers. You know, you know it. And was in uh, Peace River. I mean, the, 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 the Friesen Brothers uh, IGA Supercenter in Peace River, when it opened in the 90s, like you would go down there as a kid and there's like unlike anything you've ever seen in your life. And it's mm. like amazing to come and that, you know, how the company's evolved. And now they're this amazing grocery store in Edmonton. And I'm like... I, you know, my friends worked at the, at the, at the Friesen Brothers IGA in Manning, you know, and they sold are us, sold us cigarettes when we were 16, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Don't you know, tell the Friesen family that. It was a small town, it was a small town grocery store. I will say my little guy, Sasha, makes me drive across the city to the south side. He's a smart kid. For the, because they've got great burgers, apparently, like the food. They have food. smash burgers. Yeah, and then um, for the cookies. Yes. So we drive across the city. So I'm hoping to get one in West Edmonton if anyone's listening. And they got listening. Granny Loveson's Christmas cake as well, which is uh, pretty special. Yeah, Frank Loveson, may he rest in peace, passed away yes. just on November 20th. Yeah. Um, an absolute legend. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, there he is. Uh, I, I love that he was he was still with us um, to see his team at the at the Rabbit Hill location, the South Edmonton location, take the gold medal for, uh, from the Canadian Independent Grocers Association. This is the Canadian Independent Grocer of the Year. This is the best grocery store in Canada, um, and uh, and of course uh, a legacy that really is remarkable. Still family owned, man. Sixty five years, yep. sixteen grocery stores. Um, and uh, I wish I could tell you about other exciting news that they'll have to announce, but I can't. The West End location. 107th Ave Traffic I, I Circle? Can't, I can't say anything. Um, but uh, what I will say is that we're really proud to partner with them, and I love the three of you, and I appreciate you making time for us into overtime. Uh, since we did keep you so long, we're going to let you walk out with what? the Real Talk Studio Coffee Mug. Can I just oh, can guys. I just say that I cleaned up my kitchen yeah. this week, and I had a breakfast television mug, yeah. a help TV mug, my yeah. show, yeah. Ryan Jesperson 630 Chad mug yeah and now i've got the real talk there you go and i didn't throw out any of them thank you they made the cut yeah even times you've been pissed off at me you still haven't, haven't smashed, smashed my mugs them. i haven't been that mad at you yet oh yet yeah. <laughs> well there's still time that's Harmon kendall jenny adams and Jarrett campbell three dear friends of mine members of our off the record group chat and the on the record group chat real talk roundtable get you in here a couple maybe a few times a year and uh, today's been a really memorable one thanks for all your time good to get a gun owner on the reel we had to make sure we had that so I, 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 a gun owner who introduces guns to to people like Harmon who would have that know, should be your around. twitter bio got arrested. Uh, a gun owner <laughs> who introduces guns to others. That's Jared Campbell, Jenny Adams, and Harmon Candola. All right, these conversations happen because of our amazing sponsors like the team at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. I want you to check out dqcakes.com uh, right now. It doesn't matter what you're celebrating this month. It could be an anniversary, a birthday. It might be Christmas, Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends. And of course, Kwanzaa as well. Maybe even a Festivus custom DQ cake. You can find them all online at dairyqueen.com or dqcakes.com. And of course, don't forget to support the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Insured Park on Baseline Road whenever you can. That's the Cardinal and Lieber families that own and operate those five locations. Uh, we love family-owned business here on Real Talk. We are one, and so is the team at Eden Landscaping, bringing outdoor spaces to life. This week, we've kind of been touring through their website to show off their portfolio and, and give you different examples of what their team can accomplish. They've got a lot of talent and a great history when it comes 
it comes to stonework, right? So whether it's a patio, maybe you want to integrate some sort of a creative retaining wall type scenario, or what about one of those breathtaking water features? Mike and his team have 20 plus years experience earning the return business and referrals of their clients in the greater Edmonton area. It's a great time of year to get the ball rolling on the design so they can break ground as soon as the ground thaws. LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you will find Eden Landscaping. And we're talking about electricity costs. You know, we're talking about natural gas and other utilities. Uh, costs higher than most people have seen in the last 20 years, quite frankly. Uh, Park Power understands what it's like for families that are on a budget. It's why they really knock down their administrative costs when you bundle their services. Electricity, natural gas, and internet. It takes two seconds to compare rates at parkpower.ca. It takes less than five minutes to bring your business over to them. Make sure when prompted online, you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK to knock $70 off your first bill. And there's another really cool part about signing up with Park Power. There's a drop-down menu with about a dozen nonprofits, about a dozen charities that they support. You get to choose which one a percentage of your contribution will go to. doesn't cost you any more. Park Power takes about 10% of their profits, their proceeds, and makes sure that nonprofits are supported. We love doing business with Park Power. Now, every Friday, we go into our email inbox, talk at ryanjesperson.com. And courtesy of our great friends at Local Environmental Services, you can check them out online today, localenvironmental.ca, we dip our toes in the pool of tradition. We call it Trash Talk! All right, this one from Erin, and this is quick and dirty. She says, Dear Metallica, Erin was shopping for tickets. I love you. I would love to see you, but I cannot afford you. WTF were you thinking? What is this, the retirement fund tour? It is clearly not a fan tour. That from Erin, who's not going to see James Hetfield in the band because it costs too much. What about this one from Kimberly? Kimberly says, hey, can we talk about how frustrating it is to witness the downfall of respect and decorum in Canada? I catch question period in Parliament at least a couple of days a week, and the lack of respect that I see from the Conservatives every time a Liberal speaks is disgraceful. She says, thinking back to earlier in the week on, on your show, Ryan, she says, I heard, like, Sapria basically said, we had to send props to Danielle Smith, and this was on Seriously Podcast, to walk back legislation to listen to the plebs, which, by the way, says Kimberly didn't happen. Uh, Liberals are consulting, putting the brakes on to make sure they get it right, and they're getting cock-blocked by conservatives. Conservatives continue to push decorum so that we cannot have discussion and then blame the liberals. That's gaslighting. I don't want American-style politics here, but I feel like a minority. That from Kimberly. She says, excuse my rant. Much love. Kimberly, no excuses necessary. And this one from Janine, who says, my stomach is in knots. She says, the premier, the United Conservative government is shooting Alberta in the face. When will the Alberta first convoy supporting Trudeau haters take that giant splinter of blind rage out of their eyes and see how this premier's destroying Alberta? What are they expecting? Are we really the province who gets its way with threats? Come on, premier, get to work. Real work. This comes across like a hissy fit. Who's going to want to work with a province that threatens its neighbors? Like, if you don't give me what I want, then I'm going to take this away from you. Shame on the MLAs who voted this in. She's talking about Bill 1. Bow down, you cowards, to a premier who stands for nothing, who works with no one. All she wants is a fight, and we Albertans are going to suffer. So how do I wake up my right-wing family and friends? Do I challenge them to listen to real talk for two weeks or a month? 
Well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you do, Janine. She says, or am I the blind one? Is my hatred for the UCP keeping me from seeing the benefits of this premier and her party? Because I'm tired of the rage, I'm tired of the fear, and I'm tired of the hate that's brewing in my heart. Hey, Janine, at least you told the truth, and we give you big points for that. You can send your trash talk to us. Get whatever you need off your chest, off your chest, by emailing talk at ryanjesperson.com. Proudly presented by Local Environmental Services. As mentioned, Monday, the return of Charles Adler. That's appointment tuning for a lot of you we know. Plus, we're going to talk to a legendary Canadian trap shooter, a six-time Olympian, a world record holder, Dr. Susan Natras. A different take on C21. Thanks for tuning into this edition of Real Talk. We value you more than you know. Like, subscribe, and tell your friends, and we'll see you Monday. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepherd. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Terry Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Ori Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.